Inside a rough and ruthless newsroom, thousands of stories fight for the spotlight. Only a few survive past their 15 minutes of fame. So what makes for a good headline and what makes for a buried byline? Join us, two former TV news producers, as we dig up stories that never got the recognition or justice they deserve. I'm Mallory Wilson. I'm Megan DeLucine. And this is Buried Bylines. I'm just going to jump in. Okay. Because the amount of side research I that I had to do for this case is mind-boggling. And I want to give a disclaimer at the top because I'm worried that it might get a little confusing. So if you have questions or think that it's like you need clarification on anything, just let me know. I will. Yeah, you texted me and you're like, I'm exhausted. (laughs) My brain, I felt like my brain was melted after finishing research for this. But it's so, so good. So infuriating, but so good. No. I know. There are a lot of mixed emotions, but I'm really excited because it's a local case that was recommended to us by a listener. (gasps) Yay! I love when we do a recommended case. I know, me too. So this is a missing persons case, which are always really hard to research and to come to terms with. But I'm going to start by reading you the case synopsis that was sent to our Buried Bylines email. Okay. So this is from listener Janelle. She said, Brandy Wilson of Colfax, Indiana, disappeared from her home on June 4th, 2002. She was married with two young children. She never showed up to work and had told friends if anything ever happened to her to look at her husband. Her purse, wedding ring, and car were all still at home. The only thing missing, besides Brandy, of course, was $400. I think this story didn't get the attention it deserved because when she was reported missing the next day on June 5th, a bigger story was breaking. Put a pin in that. There hasn't been much movement in the case, but it is still considered active with the Clinton County Sheriff's Office and Indiana State Police. Okay. So first, I want to thank Janelle for sending us this case. I also wanted to mention that I wanted to read the overview for everyone for a few reasons. One, it was super compelling to me to dive into the case, and I felt like it would be compelling for listeners, too, to kind of know what they're getting into at the beginning. And my second reason is I always think it's interesting to compare what people think they know about a case before we dive into the research. And I mean that in like the most respectful way possible. But there are a lot of cases that I think I know a lot of details or facts about. But when I start digging and fact checking, things can change. With all that being said, let's get into what I could find about Brandi Wilson and her case. News coverage as a whole was not off to a great start. Oh, no. When I searched Brandy's name in our archived newspaper tool, the first article that came up was published on June 11th, 2002. That's a full week after Brandy was last seen by friends and family. Yikes. Yeah. I searched multiple different names or like spelling of her name Mm -hmm. I searched her maiden name to see if something like was misprinted or whatever but I couldn't find anything so 
it felt like we were come like when I was coming into my research that we were already kind of behind the ball. Yes, yes. The article published on June 11th was by the Journal and Courier in Lafayette, which is about 20 miles north of where Brandy lived in Colfax. The article is titled Disappearance Baffles Sheriff and Mother. Oh, no. I know. The <laughs> subtitle reads, Colfax Woman's Absence Stretches Into Second Week. For this being the first official news piece that I was reading on the case, it, like, came in hot and fast. The, I mean, they have to because it seems like they're a week behind, two weeks yes. behind. It was a good article. Like, they, there was okay, a lot good. of information in it. Good. The first quote from Brandy's mom is very real, but also very jarring. She said, quote, I'm just so scared. I'm afraid someone picked her up and raped her or shot her or all those horrible things. I just keep thinking things like that. I wish I could get it out of my mind and then think about the best that could happen instead. So she is she is like me where I jump to the worst case scenario at all times. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to get that out of your brain. As for the bare bones of the case, we learn that Brandy is 24 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was last seen on June 4th before, quote, disappearing from her home. The Journal and Courier reports that Brandy left behind her car, purse, and all her identification, ultimately stumping police. And then we get another startling quote uh, for different reason. Clinton County Sheriff Mike Hensley said, she just like disappeared she was there and then all of a sudden she was gone great yikes does she live with you said you search her maiden name so she's married she is married and she has two kids and i will get into i don't know how fairly soon i will get into like her (laughs) family what the family like dynamic it was but okay yeah she was married and the journal and courier went on to report that Brandy's husband, Kenneth, who was 10 years her senior, not that that matters, just saying, he told police he last saw Brandy the morning of June 4th when he returned home from work. So Kenneth worked the third shift, which we're very familiar with. So when he got home early that morning, he says he went straight to bed. And when he woke up around 2 p.m., he said Brandy was nowhere to be found. That's what I did. I would immediately go to bed. I would get home around like 6 30 or 7 and we had the same hour so we yeah yeah but mostly yes I would try to sleep as soon as I could sometimes I would like run errands and stuff when I got off work but that's just because time to go to the grocery store I know I preferred (laughs) there to be nobody around yeah that's what I did too but some people split it and I was like you're crazy That's why I feel like when I read that, I wasn't very alarmed because I was like, that seems normal to me. Like, you get off work, you work overnight, you immediately go to bed. On that shift, yeah. Yeah, and so when he woke up, she wasn't around, and she didn't show up for her afternoon shift at the Donaldson Company either, which was a factory in Frankfurt, Indiana, very Mm -hmm. close by. Kenneth waited until 7 a.m. the following day after contacting her friends and realizing none of them had heard from or seen Brandy either. Wait, how old are the kids? So we'll get into that. And where are where are they at? 
<laughs> yes. So this is where we find out Brandy and Kenneth have an eight-month-old child together, along with Brandy's eight-year-old son from a previous relationship. But Brandy's mom told the Journal and Courier that the kids had been staying with Kenneth's parents while he and Brandy, quote, work through problems in their marriage. Ooh. Well, I mean, at least they were doing the smart thing. Responsible. Table. Yeah. At the very least. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Not good. Not yeah. looking good for Kenneth, my man. Yeah. Mama Pam said Brandy was a great mother and that she wouldn't have thought she'd take off without the kids. Going on to say that it was very unlike her to do something like that. Kenneth told police that $400 was missing from their shared stash of cash and $20 was missing from the eight-year-old's piggy bank. Oh, that's sad. Leave the fucking piggy bank alone. I know. Also, I wish I had a shared stack of cash. <laughs> I know. I have $20 in a jar in my kitchen. That's your piggy bank. Yeah. Um, I will say it is extremely hard for police to know where to start here. Brandy's right. car, purse, all of her other items were still at the house. So if she left on her own, how'd she do it? By the verbiage and tone of the article, it's clear that in the early days after Brandy went missing, many people thought she left on her own. Her oh. mother even said, quote, I wish she would at least call me and let me know if she's okay. She doesn't have to come back here if she's scared. I just want to know if she's okay. Detective Hensley told the Journal and Courier that police interviewed Kenny along with a number of Brandy's co-workers. Sheriff's deputies and fire officials conducted searches in areas around Colfax but didn't find any evidence pointing to where Brandy could be or what happened to her. Mama Pam said Brandy's friends were very invested and wanted to help so they put up flyers with her picture on it in Colfax and Frankfurt. I just wanted to check at this point and see your initial thoughts and how you're feeling. Well, my initial thoughts are Kenneth needs some extra looking into and B, how did they know there was $20 in that piggy bank? Did the eight-year-old keep like a balanced checkbook? Like, how do you know? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you probably monitor, if your kid has a piggy bank, you probably monitor how much money they have, right? I don't know. I don't think that's any of my business. <laughs> And how'd you get that $20 bill? Yeah. Yeah. My initial thoughts are not looking good for Kenneth, especially since like the car's not missing. Her purse is not missing. Like, yeah, you don't leave home without those things if you're leaving. Yes. So the following day on June 12th, the police confirmed to the media that they are operating under the assumption that Brandy left her home willingly on June 4th. The Journal That's and Courier. I know. That's I so I think to me. I know, but like how often does that actually happen? Like we also have to think missing. that it's 2002. Even from 2002 to now, the times are quite different. Yeah, I was going to say like what was cell phone usage at that time? I looked up what cell phones and it was like the Nokia and then like the first like the flip, phone? flip phone. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So cell phones I think even in 2002 were pretty like new Newer. they weren't Newer. something yeah. everybody had yeah and you only got like 200 text messages a month <laughs> <laughs> or else you had to pay a million dollars per minute yeah <laughs> yes the journal and courier reports once again that police haven't found any clues about where brandy could have gone or what could have happened to her right after publishing that statement they include a quote from police saying there's no current signs of foul play but 
There doesn't appear to be any signs of anything. So I don't really understand how you can operate on the assumption that a mother of two, including an eight-month-old, would, like, abandon her life and leave without telling anyone or taking her kids. It, It does seem very not normal right yeah and like new mom here I know I talk about it a hundred percent of the time but um I don't think I could just leave my son like especially like I mean mine's younger he's almost three months but eight months is still pretty young so like they're pretty dependent at that point I don't know Mm. When Detective Eric Douglas with the Clinton County Sheriff's Office willingly gives up this information. Oh. A a quote, minor interview with Kenneth was conducted the morning he reported Brandy missing. Douglas said he tried to contact Kenneth on Tuesday, a week after Brandy was last seen, but he couldn't find Kenny at the Wilson home. But he didn't think that Kenny was purposely evading questioning. I'm... (laughs) I'm really not trying to be that that person, but like there's a missing woman without a single lead or shred of evidence on where she could be. A woman whose yeah. friends and family say she was having marital issues. Her husband was the last person to see her and the one to report her missing. You right. don't think that maybe this is the person you should be thoroughly looking into or like like, minor interview what do you mean in that same article mama pam is once again quoted on the fact that brandy and kenneth were not doing well in their relationship they had been married for less than a year and according to her they had been fighting over suspicions of infidelity mama pam said brandy had a shift at the factory the day that she went missing and was going to head to frankfurt a few hours early but kenneth allegedly became suspicious and wanted to know where she was going so early. Pam said Kenneth took Brandy's car keys and refused to give them back until she revealed who she was going to see before work. According to Mama Pam, Kenneth thought Brandy was cheating on him and Brandy thought Kenneth was cheating on her. Super messy. Very messy. But I don't like taking the car keys so you can't leave. That is a red-ass flag for me. Yeah. Not good. But don't worry, because Mama Pam spilt more tea. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I would, too. She's just reading Kenneth to filth in their local newspaper. I support it, to be honest. She said before Brandy disappeared, she had gone out to lunch with one of her friends. That friend. That friend. That friend. That friend told Mama Pam that Brandy was acting very strange during their lunch. She was nervous or scared. Detective Hensley confirmed to the media that Brandy and Kenneth were experiencing marital issues, but would not elaborate. And here is where I lost my mind. And I know that you are going to scream. I can't really loud because the child's asleep. But yes. Okay. So don't scream. Maybe internalize your screaming. In this article. Hold on. It's that TikTok of that lady that's like silently screaming. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where she's like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In this article. We find out that in 1988, Kenneth pled guilty to robbery in Pulaski County. He served nine and a half years of a 19-year sentence as part of a plea deal. Murder charges against Kenneth were dropped. And this was a minor mention in the article. They didn't even talk about, like, what happened to this man. Yeah, that's why I'm like, 19 years for a robbery, so somebody died during it, I assume. Oh. 
Don't worry. I had to do Uh, a full sidebar research on this case because I needed to know what the terms and like context of this crime was because I feel like you can't just mention that because at first I was like, okay, this man has murder? Like what the fuck? Right, right. But then I looked into it and I was like, I didn't really know how to feel about it. So I'm interested to see like once I lay out this information, how you feel. Okay. But this man who died... His name was Dragomir Lukovich. He was a 67-year-old retired U.S. steel worker who immigrated to America. He was living in rural Pulaski County. In May of 1987, he was found dead inside a freezer on his farm. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going. Police conducted a welfare check at his home when friends tried to visit Lukovich and realized he wasn't home and his car was missing. That car turned up over the state line in Illinois. The coroner determined that Lukovich had been beaten to death. His official cause of death was a skull fracture from a blunt instrument. Investigators said his house had been ransacked. In November of 1987, a 20-year-old, Kenneth Wilson, and his friend (sighs) Billy Back were arrested in Lukovich's murder. According to the Logansport Pharaohs Tribune, a call from an unidentified informant led to the arrest. The informant claimed to have driven Kenneth and Billy to an area near Lukovich's farm. The next day, they returned with a newly acquired car that matched the description of Lukovich's car. The informant then read about the murder in the newspaper and asked Billy about it. At first, he denied it before confessing. Mm. By January of 1988, Kenneth had taken a plea to drop the murder charge and testify against Billy. He said Billy used to work on the Lukovich farm, and the two of them went there to rob Dragomir. They planned to wait for the man to leave, but instead there was a confrontation. Kenneth told police that Billy repeatedly beat Lukovich over the head with a pipe before putting his body in a freezer. Kenneth claimed no involvement in the murder and seemed very shaken by what happened. He said he didn't want to go near Billy because he had been holding a large pipe and was clearly capable of violence. Kenneth said he froze and didn't know what what to do. In his testimony, he also said he could hear Lukovich crying after his body had been placed in the freezer, indicating that he was still alive. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. The two split their loot before driving the car to Illinois and dumping it. In April of 1988, Billy Back pled guilty to Lukovich's murder. As part of his plea, he was sentenced to 47 years in prison with the possibility of parole. Kenneth was sentenced for his participation in the robbery and was released roughly 10 years later, around the age of 30. Within four years of his release, he was married to Brandy and a dad of two. Yeah, that that is a culture shock for sure. Prison to family man. That might be a tough transition. After reviewing the information that I just read to you, I'm going to write myself a note and um, tell you something that a thought that just sparked into my head when I'm done at the end. Okay. Okay. Because curious. It made me think. But, okay, so after taking a deep dive into that case, it appears Kenneth didn't have anything to do with that murder charge. However, Mm -hmm. I am not willing to write him off for Brandy's case. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. 
Nope. So jumping back into her investigation, in mid-June, nearly two weeks after Brandy was reported missing, officials took to the sky in an effort to use thermal imaging to aid in their search. Officials reiterated that this did not mean they thought Brandy was dead. The case was still being treated as a missing persons case. They just wanted to exhaust all their options. Divers from Carroll Tippecanoe counties also searched a nearby waterway in Colfax with no success. On June 19th, the Journal and Courier reports that Kenneth submitted to a polygraph test, but police declined to comment on the results of that test. Regardless, you and I know polygraphs aren't essentially... Yeah, fuck a polygraph. ...very helpful. They do not hold up well in court. The good news is, even two weeks after the disappearance, the community seemed to still be dialed in. The Clinton County Sheriff's Office says it received multiple tips, despite none of them being fruitful. Officials said they wanted to hear what people have to say, and they are taking every tip seriously. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to July 12th. It's been over a month since the disappearance, and it's Brandy's 25th birthday. Oh, that's sad. Mama Pam said she hoped the day would bring Brandy home. In fact, she told the Journal and Courier she even bought Brandy a birthday present just in case she knocked on the front door. That's sad. I thought you were going to say she made her a cake. Oh, I knew that was going to get you. <laughs> oh, God. Police say they followed lead after lead from the community tip line and each led to a dead end. Officials admitted they were running out of ideas on how to further investigate. Family and friends began hosting events like bake sales and car washes to fundraise for reward money in Brandy's case. Officials say Kenneth had been nothing but cooperative and appears very concerned about Brandy's disappearance. But one month after she went missing, Kenneth decided to move out of their shared home to live with his parents in Jasper County. Police say Kenneth had done everything asked of him and left his contact information to continue working with them on the investigation. Detectives stressed that Kenneth was not a suspect. Kenneth also arranged for Mama Pam to see the kids after going a month without visiting them oh that's good okay i might have dragged kenneth a little too hard at the beginning but i don't know the roller coaster with kenneth is wild (laughs) because we are nowhere near being over (laughs) oh geez Okay. Police also admit they had to pump the brakes on investigating. They had already spent about 300 hours on the case and had absolutely nothing to go on for leads. So they scaled back involvement. I guess I can't really blame them. I mean, realistically, what are they supposed to do? Right. They did the air searches, the water searches. They had cadaver dogs search the area. They conducted multiple interviews. They were following every tip they could, and they had nothing to show for it. Yeah, that's tough because it seems like they're doing a good job. Yeah. There's just no information. It's just super frustrating. Like, for friends, family, police alike, it's very frustrating. Everything about this case is freaking crazy because I saw that, I read that article, and I expected, like, things to completely taper off after that. But the very next day, there was a very, like, spooky update um, (gasps) in the newspaper. 
Yeah. So apparently the week of Brandy's birthday, someone sent a letter to police with information on her case. However, it wasn't enough for police. So Detective Rick Morgan put a call out asking whoever wrote the letter to come forward. Detective (laughs) Morgan said the letter gave them enough to be a legitimate lead, but not quite enough to make definitive progress in the case. So they wanted to speak to the author to see if they could elaborate or provide more information. Officials declined to reveal to the public what the letter said. Detectives urged the author to contact their tip line, saying they could do so anonymously if they were scared to reveal their identity. Well, obviously they are if they wrote an anonymous letter. Right. I was like, ooh, things are getting interesting. I want to know. And then nothing. Nothing. Great. There was radio silence from July of 2002. There was radio silence until December when the Journal and Courier published a six-month update on the case. But there were really few updates. A lot of it was like what was going on with the family. It was very interesting and it was a good update. I was glad that I got that information. Family members said they'd given up hope that Brandy would return home alive. Investigators said they still have no information indicating Brandy is dead. But Mama Pam said as time goes on, it's getting harder to believe she's alive. She said if Brandy left on her own, surely after six months, she would have told someone she was okay yeah clinton county authorities plan to enter brandy's dental records and dna into a national computerized law enforcement database as time went on the limited coverage on brandy's case became even more sparse the journal and courier which covered this case in the most detail and frequency published a piece near her one-year anniversary of the disappearance but 365 days had gone by with absolutely no updates Detective Rick Morgan said it's been weeks since they had gotten any tips and any leads they had on the case completely dried up. According to Morgan, Kenneth had kept in contact with officers, but they hadn't heard from him in months. Morgan said, quote, it concerns me his lack of concern. Yep. He went on to tell media that officials were focusing in on one person, but would not elaborate or name Kenneth a suspect. And to that I say, sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. God. (laughs) Like, you're really going to sit here and tell me that you have one suspect, but it's not her husband? Right. But good on them for not doing what the freaking guy did in your last case when he was like, (laughs) we have a, what was it, a potential suspect or something? Yeah. And then nothing. (laughs) And then named the person and then it was not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Ruined someone's life. Poor guy. Right. Oh, gosh. In June of 2004, the Frankfurt Times did an in-depth piece with Mama Pam surrounding the two-year anniversary. She said she still holds out hope that maybe one day Brandy will come home safe, but realizes it's unlikely. It appears Detective Morgan really tried to keep this case alive. He and a few detectives got together every Friday for months to review the case and continue investigating. The task force was specifically created to inspire new strategies and pick up new leads. Another roller coaster update here, though. Pam said she has no physical possessions from her daughter, and she hasn't seen Brandy's youngest son in two years. <gasps> so basically, since Brandy went missing, she hadn't seen the yeah. youngest son. Oh no! Damn, She's... I was hopeful because she did let her see them. Well, she said. Once. 
She tried contacting Kenneth to visit the boy, but he won't answer her calls. <gasps> On top of that, Pam revealed that Brandy's oldest son, 10-year-old Alan, was being housed at a juvenile center in Indianapolis. Uh-oh. <laughs> Still, she makes the drive to visit him every weekend. What Pam do do? said, I don't know. He's 10. No elaboration. Oh, no. He stole his brother's piggy bank. <laughs> Pam said Alan looks just like Brandy and that he misses his mom a lot. Detective Morgan says every time remains are found in the state of Indiana, he reaches out to local police to offer DNA and dental records to see if it's Brandy. Good for him. Uh, This man, I like really want to give snaps to Detective Morgan. He was on top of this. January 19th, 2024. Yeah. (laughs) That would fuck you up as a kid. Like, I just keep thinking of the 10-year-old now in a juvenile facility, like, losing your mom like that with no answers would fuck you up. Because that's, like, a very developmental age. I have a lot of updates about Kenneth and the their kids, and I think you're going to be shocked, so. Oh, no. Okay, go ahead. So... After that article around the two-year mark, it was nearly 10 years before Brandy's case was brought into the spotlight again. In 2013, WTHR interviewed a family friend, Patty Parks, who turned to social media in hopes of new clues in Brandy's case. She created the Facebook page, Bring Brandy Wilson Home, which is still up and running today. This news story includes the first mention that Brandy allegedly told a friend if she did not show up to work that something bad had happened to her. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And to look into Kenny. So, it, okay. you know, this was like, it's all over the Facebook page, which I think is mm-hmm. like, it was never confirmed by police that that, gotcha. so I don't want to go around like saying that as fact, but that is something that keeps That's what her friend said. From, yes. Yeah, community members and friends and stuff. So Hearsay. Like I said, it wasn't included in any previous reports from 2002 to 2004, but it seems to be something that stuck with the public. Okay. Yep, as as it would. So Patty said she won't give up and will continue pushing for answers in her friend's disappearance. If you're interested in keeping up with the case, seeing pictures, or just like reading more, that Facebook page is a pretty good resource. Okay, cool. I'm going to check that out after this, I think. Yeah. I want to know the tea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will be spilling the tea. (laughs) In 2015, Brandy's case was a footnote in a Northwest Indiana Times article, thanks to Kenneth, who had another run-in with the law. Oh, no. Kenneth was the president of Paws Here Animal Rescue in Shelby, Indiana. (gasps) The property, which he also lived on, was raided, and Kenneth was charged with 12 counts of abandonment or neglect of vertebrate animal. What a piece of shit. Apparently, Kenneth took over ownership of Paws Here when the original owner died in 2010. The police raided the property and found 10 emaciated dogs and two (gasps) dead dogs. What a fucking douchebag, dude. I won't get into, like, all the logistics of that. This raid tipped police off in the area to the fact that Kenneth also had a missing wife of 13 years. So, investigators came back to the property for a second raid, but did not find Brandy or remains of a human. Right, right. That's despite finding a burial ground... And according to the affidavit, officials did find the bodies of 26 dogs in various stages of decomposition. What the fuck? Fuck this guy. So no matter how you slice it, I think it's fair to say that Kenneth is garbage. 
I agree. Yes. Garbage. Garbage. Fuck you. (laughs) The Clinton County Sheriff's Department did finally say on the record in this article that Kenneth is the only person of interest in Brandy's case. Oh. Took 10 years. In 2022, the Clinton County Daily News did a long, in-depth piece about the 20-year anniversary of Brandy's disappearance, likely introducing the case to a number of people who had never heard about it. But at this point... us. Here we are. Hello. At this point, Brandy's mom and grandparents had both passed away. Oh, no. So her, like, immediate family, you know... Never got answers. Yeah. I struggled to find updates on Brandy's children. I did do somewhat of a deep dive on Kenneth in my case. Yes. I wanted an update on the animals, and I got way more than I anticipated. (laughs) But I was able to locate the animal abuse case. In 2019, five years after his property was raided, Kenneth reached a plea deal with the court. The neglect charges were all dismissed, but he was found guilty for the deaths of the animals on the property. However, as part of his plea, it looks like he only got one year in jail and probation. Fuck that. Fuck that. Probation, which he violated multiple times. Oh my god, I don't understand our court system. I, don't, I really I, fucking don't. I really don't understand at all, but call me a detective. By comparing <laughs> information in my case about where Kenneth lived and, like, his height, weight, etc., I was able to link him to a few other charges in my case. Jesus Christ. That included maintaining a common nuisance and controlled substances, neglect of a dependent, placing dependent in a situation that endangers them, and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. The list goes on over the years for additional charges ranging from theft to writing bad checks and traffic infractions. It also looks like Kenneth fathered two additional kids. In 2017, there was a petition by those girls, maternal grandparents for guardianship. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how old they were or any details of that case. I'm just using all of this to say that there's a clear pattern here of breaking the law and not being a responsible adult who can care for animals, let alone children. Not getting the correct amount of punishment. Like, they're just slapping him on the wrist because he's a fucking white man and our court system sucks. It's my opinion that Brandy did not leave on her own volition. Police said in recent years they do suspect foul play, and as recent as 2015, Kenneth was the only person of interest. There are just too many accounts from family and friends who say she never would have left her kids behind. I just feel awful for those boys because it feels like they never had a fighting chance. Right. I reached out to Patty, who runs the Facebook page. She confirmed that the son of Kenneth and Brandy was named Kenneth Wilson Jr. I was wondering, but I didn't want to jump to any conclusions from my case alone, because Kenneth Jr. has had a few run-ins with the law himself. And the last update I have on Alan was when he was 10, but even then, I mentioned he was in a juvenile detention center. Right. I really hope both boys were able to turn their lives around. I'm wishing each of them the best. It's just so sad, everything they've endured. And, like, it's another thing where we say if you murder one person, it doesn't just affect one person. Well, that's the sort of cycle that trickles down when your only parental figure to look up to is constantly breaking the law, doing drugs, 
stealing. Like, what sort of example does that set for his two kids who both ended up having run-ins of their own with the law? And, like, I'm really hoping that things turned around. Patty said last that she knew Kenneth Sr. was in jail. And she said that Kenneth Jr. had been in contact with her, but they hadn't talked in a while. I really don't know anything about Alan. I tried to search (laughs) Alan Wilson. And I I mean, there were a lot of Alan Wilsons. I wasn't able to tie it to him. But I also don't know if Wilson is Alan's last name. Brandy's case is featured on the Charlie Project, which maintains a database of cold case profiles on more than 14,000 missing persons in the United States. Her case is also in NamUs, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, which is monitored and updated by the federal government. I have questions. Okay. Well, the question is, what was the other big news story? Ah, let's bring it back to the very beginning about why Brandy's case became a buried byline. The 24-year-old was last seen on June 4th, 2002, but we now know that she wasn't reported missing until the next morning on June 5th. Mm -hmm. That is the very same day that 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped from her home in Salt Lake City, Utah. That'll do it. This is a huge case in the true crime community. One of the stories that absolutely took over the headlines in the weeks and months, years to come. And if you don't know anything about Elizabeth Smart, I'll give you the rundown on what happened to her. Very, very high level. There's a lot. Here we go. Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped at knife point by Brian Mitchell while her younger sister pretended to sleep. Mitchell claimed to be a religious preacher. He and his wife, Wanda Barzi, held Elizabeth captive at a camp in the woods for nine months, where he repeatedly raped her. In 2003, Elizabeth was discovered and brought to safety. Since then, she has become an advocate for missing persons and victims of sexual assault, but it is safe to say that her story captivated the national and many local headlines in the most important window of time for Brandy's case, those early months into the investigation. Now, I'm not saying that Elizabeth's case interfered with Brandy's case directly. Like I said, the local police seem to have worked the case as hard as they possibly could have, but it definitely drew media attention away from her case, which in a lot of ways can put the pressure on a community or criminal to come forward. Yeah, because we usually we usually see this whenever there's a big story or like a missing person or a murder. Other regions around where it happened will pick it up. But if there's another bigger story that can easily give the local story the boot. In my opinion, and I think the opinion of a lot of people who live in Clinton County, it seems like Kenneth is responsible for Brandy's disappearance, but there's quite literally no physical (laughs) evidence to tie him to the crime. Brandy's body has never been located. Kenneth is the only person who has ever been named a person of interest. And I was thinking when I was reading through like the details of that first crime where they went to to Lukovic's house and robbed him and he ended up being murdered Mm -hmm. they took his car right and dumped it yeah and that car and the description of that car and with help of the informant tied oh you're thinking he learned I think he learned I think that's why there was no car missing right right 
to say that Brandy left on her own. That's a good theory. Because what are you going to do with a car? Like, if right. you if you're getting rid of a person and that person didn't take their own car, then you yeah. have to find a way to get rid of a car. Get rid of the car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, probably. And if a car is dumped, well... He's already been in a case where he's dumped a car before. Right. Is that the note you made yourself? Yes. I was just thinking that. I was like, wow. It's very interesting because to me, if you wanted to make it look like someone left their life and walked away, you take the car. There'd be a car missing or her purse, her information, all Mm -hmm. of that would be missing. But we are just supposed to believe this man walked away. Yeah, that she just walked away, and this man who has no alibi other than the fact that he was asleep, which Mm -hmm. only he can confirm. Mm -hmm. I was debating on if I was going to say this or not, because it is is hearsay, it is community pass along but yes, not i asked approved information not official this is just allegedly hearsay this is literally allegedly me spreading rumors but <laughs> <laughs> i asked patty i was like how is there literally not a shred of evidence of where she could be no blood no like literally nothing she said kenneth worked for a hog farm oh shit 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 she's gone if that's the case she's gone i mean if he worked on a hog farm and took her body and like right if he you're killed her and fed her to the hogs you're never gonna find it nope Danielle. no burial involved sense. no that blood nothing allegedly i think that's what happened allegedly i think that's what happened too because i can't i mean just logically the only person who she has issues with is her husband her friends are saying that she was nervous acting scared her friends said she said if anything happens to me to look into kenneth i'm sorry unfortunately like i don't know if kenneth will be a free man because he seems to have a hard-on for crime but like and the criminal justice system seems to have a hard-on for kenneth (laughs) (laughs) because he gets no consequences whatsoever yeah Yeah, and so it's just like he's probably never going to see any sort of punishment for for this if he did it. That sucks. Damn. I'm so mad. I'm like, thank you, Janelle, but also like, no. (laughs) No, thank you. Because my brain is mush over all of the like side research. Yep. And you did a good job. You did the thing. I I tried. I really did because I just this is one of those cases where we are never going to know unless he confesses. Right. Damn. Hold on. I got to get little man. He did oh, good actually. He did so good. He, he I made hour. it through my whole script. All I have left are my sources. I know. And the fun facts, but let me grab them. Dude, I need a fun fact so bad right now. Bennett, give me a fun fact. <laughs> Bennett says there is a 200 year old Scottish term meaning to lounge in bed long after it's time to get up. <laughs> what is And it? the word is herkle durkle. <laughs> I herkle durkle almost every day. I live for herkle durkling. Me too. Me freaking too. Oh my gosh. It's not my favorite word. That is so good. I really like that one. I think it's perfect for too. January. 
as former journalists, we want to give credit where credit is due. For this episode, I got my information from the Clinton County Daily News, WTHR, the Charlie Project, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, the Journal and Courier, the Logansport Pharos Tribune, the Frankfurt Times, the Northwest Indiana Times, and my case. And Patty. <laughs> and my girl, Patty. And Peggy. You can find a complete list of our sources in the show notes. Please make sure you check them out. Bye. I also realized we say something different every time. Like we go for this case, for this episode, for this. <laughs> we <laughs> know it's different every time. It's fine. Absolutely. It's great. No Keep them guessing. Keep it loose and fast here at Barry Bylines. Go Herkle Durkle, guys. <laughs>